Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the official podcast of the European Super League. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit of Dallas Stars hockey. It's time to a little stargazing. Hello. How, how is everybody this evening? I think we're doing pretty good so far. Hanging in there? <laughs> Absolutely. Got a game on right now, so we're doing well. It's it's not not just that, and, and you know I know we're not quite getting the result as we record this Wednesday night. We're not quite getting the result we want out of the Nashville uh, Chicago game again. But we're going to go ahead. We're we're going to roll hard. We're going to talk about the standings. Obviously, we're going to talk about Jamie Alexiak. Are there reinforcements on the horizon for the Dallas Stars? And and we'll see what else um, what else there is to be said about this final home stretch of the season. But you know, first we'll start with the good news. Dallas is halfway through their uh, their showdown with the the Detroit Red Wings, and they've got two wins out of two to show for it. And all of the sudden, the standings have have tightened up a little bit in the in the disco. And and Rob, what do you, what's your today as we sit here? Uh, what is your attitude? What what would you put the percentage chance? How do you think? How does the postseason look right about now? I'm definitely higher on it than I was last week when we spoke. I remember last uh, last week you mentioned how many points they pick up in this stretch, and I said 10. It's looking like they could pick up a few more than 10, uh, thankfully. So I think I'm going to put it ballpark at around 70 to 75%. All right. Bold. I love it. Mark, what do you think? I'd put it about the same. Uh Depends on how hot Soros gets down the stretch here and whether we have some goaltending that gets hot or at least stays the way it's been. But uh, I'm pretty happy about it right now. Yeah, I, I'm happy too. I think I'm probably less happy than you guys. There, here's a shock. I'm going to be Donnie Downer for a bit. The only <laughs> the only thing that worries me is it is, you know, Dallas is, is kind of they have more games against i think they they conclude their they played the four against detroit and then they get two against carolina back to back um of course carolina as we record this has taken the spot atop the disco um over florida so the only thing that gives me pause to be up in the same percentage range as you guys is dallas's schedule down the stretch is, is a little bit harder than Nashville's uh, their their stars still need a little bit of help to get this thing over the line yeah I mean I definitely agree um, you know obviously Chicago or Nashville playing Chicago you know back to back not very helpful with the stars but I'm gonna kind of rely on what uh, Taylor put out today and that the stars are sitting at 16th in the league in goals for and they're still at the uh, top two when it comes to defense. So I think if they can keep that formula rolling, even with those teams like Carolina, they have this big series with Tampa and Florida on the road for, I think it's seven straight. I think they can find themselves, you know, with a good shot given that current recipe. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clear that, that something's going very well. Just looking at, you know, this, this last little stretch, the Dallas Stars have been on. They scored, you know, four against Columbus, then five against Columbus, three against Detroit, then five against Detroit. So they're they're back in the goals, which has been a not insignificant factor in, in pushing them back into the race. And then the other part is they have cashed in a couple of their games in hand. I think they still sit with three 
as of the time we record tonight. So they've they've cashed in a couple of those. And, you know, what stands out to me, just to talk about this little winning streak, and then, then I'd love to get both of your thoughts. What stands out to me is I think there was a stretch where, where Rupe played like four or five games in a row. Uh, it's It's been a hot minute until... I mean, of course, I say this until Klingberg was game time and Miro sat last night. But at least in terms of the forward core, it's been a while since they've had a a significant piece kind of have to bow out. So maybe we're seeing the return of a little bit of roster continuity. And that's leading to some of the, um, you know, that's that's leading to some of the recent offensive resurgence. Um, You know, we'll start with you, Mark. What's been the biggest difference uh, what's been the biggest difference to you over this last stretch versus maybe some of the doldrums of, of March? Well, I think part of it, from my point of view, is that they've uh, finally found a spot where Gurianov uh, is back feeling comfortable and can contribute. And part of the problem here for most of the season is that they've only been able to find one line that can contribute. And uh, you know, up until fairly recently, that was uh, that, that was you know Hintz, Pavelski, and, and and Robertson. And now we between the combination of of Ben and Gurianov and and Dickinson stepped in there and played really well as well. They can roll two solid lines, and that makes it a bit harder to defend. Yeah, I think that's a great great point, Rob. What do you think? Do you think are we now are we now back to watching a two line Dallas Stars team? Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, you've got like we said, you know, Rupe is playing more consistently. You've got Pavelski's line with Robertson. I mean, I think we are seeing you know, the team kind of buoyed by those you know those top two lines, mm-hmm. um, and still keeping their structure. When you have when you look at the third line with Ben and Dickinson, and also. Uh, you know, that facts align with uh, Cagliato and Como. Yeah, and, and I'm glad, you know, the, it's it's been a good situation in that there's there's been, you know, Jamie Benn has been putting the puck in, and it seems like they've found some units that they're comfortable with. And, and I think with the Dallas Stars, another kind of unsung benefit is all of a sudden the team has a couple of different styles right you have if you look at the types of goals that the ben unit is scoring versus the types of goals that the um, you know robertson pavelski whoever the other unit is scoring right there's it's not just the same you know we talked this was many many podcasts ago but part during the struggles one of the things we talked about was there seemed to be this lack of creativity in the Dallas Stars offense, and you could you could afford if you were defending them to kind of overcover the walls, press the points. You could afford to be a little bit more aggressive because they didn't necessarily have somebody that was going to walk you or, or going to find that pass through. But it seems like you know with with the emergence of J. Rob and and some of the other steady play they're getting elsewhere. Now now you're seeing they're scoring from distance, right? They're scoring off of turnovers. They're scoring off of the rush, off of the cycle. Just you know, look at the five goals they scored last night, right? One of them was a defenseman. They're they're coming in so many different ways that it's all of a sudden the the team is a much much more difficult problem to solve um, than they were potentially a month ago. And I wonder if that has to do a little bit with the desperation of their situation going into that series over the weekend with uh, Columbus and then here with Detroit, uh, the coaching staff, maybe making a slight adjustment saying, don't lose the defensive structure that makes us successful. That's our base. But also with players like Hens and uh, Robertson and Gary Onoff, 
take the reins off a little bit and open <laughs> up the creativity for this club. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think the significant piece there is is they've opened up that creativity and the defensive solidity hasn't collapsed, right? It's there. I feel like this team sort of pathologically has been historically afraid that if they pursue offense, it will come at the expense of defense they really need. And we're seeing kind of the opposite, right? The defense is still stellar top marks in the league, right? Goaltending has stayed has stayed steady. They're getting the saves and they're having the, they're kind of having their cake and eating it too, which is, I almost don't know how to react as a Dallas stars fan. It feels like even back to the Lindy Ruff era, we've had to pick one. Well, and I think yesterday on the, on the broadcast, they showed that, uh, you know, both our goaltenders still are sitting uh, here. I, I forget the time range, but certainly within the last five or six games, we're averaging, uh, you know, under two goals allowed per game. So uh, we haven't really lost the defensive structure while we've added the offense. And not to mention, uh, you know, I don't want to gloss over anything like here, but the power play has been is the sixth best in the league right now. And I think that was a big test even going into the series with Detroit and that Detroit's penalty kill was, you know, pretty hot coming into this series. Um, and Dallas has scored some big goals in the power play in these two games that they've won uh, to kind of start this four-game playoff series, if you will. Yeah, everything is a playoff series at this point for the Stars, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Well, and so, you know, two of the two of the standouts to me, we'll talk about them both in order, is, of course, Denis Gurionov is back in, back in the good graces of the hockey universe. It started with... It started with a bank shot and then has migrated into more traditional scoring methodology. So do you have, have either of you, and, and we'll, we'll round table this, we'll start with you, Mark. Have either of you noticed anything different about the way that Gurionov has approached um, you know, his play over this, this more recent hot stretch? Well, I, I think the coaching staff, did sit down with him and kind of went through some film and uh, and showed him times when he wasn't doing well and times when he was doing well. Uh, he's gotten a little harder on the puck. Uh, he's been more willing to go in and uh, and attempt board battles and, in fact, win some board battles. Um, but my general take on all of this is that you know when 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 J. Rob showed up. And and all of a sudden took that spot alongside Pavelski and Hints. It it left Gurionov without a role on the team, or at least without an obvious spot. And they tried him all over the place to try and get him comfortable. And and none of, none of these things seemed to work. But now all of a sudden, with Ben moving to center, and and he gets a little more involved when he's playing center as opposed to wing. Uh, I, I think that combination between Ben and Gurianov has found Gurianov a new home, and and because of that, he's more comfortable and he's more involved in the game. And all of a sudden, you're there with that second line that's contributing. Yeah, I think it cl- it definitely clarified the talent on the roster, given you know the injuries that they're perpetually battling with, and also given the profile of the other centers. Right before shifting Ben back into the the middle slot, you were consistently having to like, you know, either either put Pavelski at center, which kind of gutted the first line a little bit, or play a guy like you know 
play a guy like Dickinson or, or although he did play first line minutes or first line position last night or play, you know, play guys like Fox, you were having to kind of force somebody into a different slot. Whereas, you know, moving Jamie Ben off the wing freed up a top six spot for Gurionov. And I think you're right. That has seemed to have made him a little bit more. And of course, statistically right in the last five games, he's got, three goals and three assists. He's been held off of the score sheet. Um, he, he didn't hit the score sheet in Florida, the overtime loss, uh, and he didn't hit in the, in the sec- first game against Detroit, but he's been, he's been consistent. He's been a menace. And we've also seen the ice time pop up. He played, you know, 15 and a half or so minutes against Florida, 15, 31 against Columbus, then 16, then 19, 50, played 17 minutes last night. So I think we're seeing, the performance has ticked up along with the usage, which has turned into a very powerful thing, um, very powerful thing for the stars. And, and Rob, I don't want to forget you on this one. What 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 have you noticed? So I've noticed, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach with this. I just, by watching Gary on at the last uh, four games, he seems to be skating more in a straight line and he doesn't seem to be cheating the game uh, as much as he was before. He's checking, he's getting into dirty areas. You know, you mentioned Bennett Center. That's also putting more on Gary Onum's plate to actually go in the corners and battle for pucks. And I think his, through his work and through his checking um, below the circles, he's opening himself up as, as well for more end zone chances like that bang shot. Um, and also just with the open up, opening up the offense and the creativity, um, he's also finding rush chances through that as well. So I think he's been more responsible um, in all three zones, honestly. Yeah, and I want to make sure, as I say this, that that it's not taken as a as an insult because it's not. I think it has his role has simplified, and it's not so much that he's being asked to do easier things. In my opinion, he's just being asked to do things that are more in line with his profile. I think you mentioned right straight that that north south skating, speed, body work, shots like he's especially with with Ben and the way that Ben plays and the way that he can sort of clear some space as a big body in the middle, they're not asking Gurionov to, you know, beat five guys off the rush and then, you know, do something truly spectacular. It's like, no, get yourself, get your stick open, get yourself in a scoring position, pump the shot on net or get the pass to a teammate. Like it's, it's all quick decisions. It's all playing with rapidity. And that seems to really favor, you know, Gurionov seems to be at his best when everything is happening fast. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that take. And then the other, I think also there with, uh, with Gurionov, they, uh, and especially I think moving Dickinson in there, uh, he's able to take that F1 role and be the first guy in on the four check. And Ben yeah. also is, is very willing to go in and, and be one of the top two on the four checkers. Mm-hmm. And so that leaves Gurionov with more of a, a role where he's facing the net as opposed to having his back to the net. And I think he's more comfortable that way. Absolutely. I like somebody mentioned earlier. This, I think the sports car analogy is a very good one, and that Gurionov, Gurionov is a he's he's a you know he's a drag racer, right? He's he's straight line, you know, drop the hammer and go kind of player, and and they seem to have found a way to utilize him as such. And of course, part of why they've been able to do that, and we were talking about this in the pre-show, is everybody's new, uh, you know, kind of new hotness. Uh, Calder Trophy uh, contender, right? Jason Robertson, 
and the just transformative impact he's had on Dallas's offense. And, you know, let's, let's take a, a brief moment of honesty, starting with, with you, Rob, did you see this coming either at all or this quickly? I can't see I saw it coming at all, or even, <laughs> I, I guess I would say no to both of your questions. Um, I think what we saw last year in Robertson was a player who, you know, probably didn't understand the league, but as a young player, you, you cannot kind of give him a pass for that. Um, but I always thought he had the potential to be, you know, a productive offensive player, um, but not, you know, the marquee offensive piece uh when it goes you know to the star's future um and to kind of reference an article that uh Saad Yusuf did at the at the athletic it seems like he put in a ton of work just on his skating and his offensive his offensive zone awareness um in the offseason and that's really you know I think transformed his game into allowing him to take that next step as an elite goal scorer and an elite overall offensive player yeah and what what do you what's your take Mark um, yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that. Fair enough. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was very well said. The one thing, you know, I was optimistic just from the perspective of he did have sort of the, if you look back at his career in the OHL, right, he, he scored, he scored for fun, um, in, in that league, including, you know, 79 points in, in 38 games, with with Niagara in his last season and and it's just I didn't expect it to happen this quickly um but it was for me it was very difficult to look at his performance um with the Texas Stars last season you know 25 goals 47 points in 60 games and his kind of pedigree at the at the younger levels and 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 not think that at some point we might see, and this this is where I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm by no means Nostradamus or even particularly smart, right? I didn't think it would happen this quickly, and I didn't necessarily think that he would be, um, you know, there, there were some excellent stats in, in the athletic that we're kind of alluding to today, putting him in, you know, company, I think, in, in terms of, like, points per 60, he's in company with guys like Dreisaitl, you know, Dreisaitl, and, and really the upper crust of the NHL, and I think that I didn't think he would be that, and I certainly didn't think he'd be that under such trying circumstances. But there, there, this player was in there, and you know, kudos to Dallas for finding it this quickly. Kudos for for J. Rob for inserting himself into the lineup and and just demanding attention. But it's been it's been a season saver. And yeah, and and I, I guess the one thing I would add there is. It, it kind of points out that Dallas is sorely missing some of the things that he brings, especially his ability to move the puck uh, and, and to find open space for other players. And, and I mean, we saw that a little with, with Zuccarello a couple of years ago, but we really don't have anybody who does that. And, and maybe uh, Radulov if he's around, but this year, nobody. And, and so it's been a godsend to have. Yeah, it has. And, you know, he's got the, the, the assist, you know, you've got in, in a single player, you've got one that's heady enough to make the assist to Pavelski, right? That fake shot from the slot, funnel it down low for a, a tap in. And then you've also got a guy that scores looking away from the goal, getting flattened, you know, rebound to the far post. So he's, he's getting, he's, it, this is not a, this is not a guy on a heater 
beating up on, you know, third pairing defensemen. This is a guy that's playing first line minutes against first defensive pairings with elite players looking absolutely at home. And he's doing it at even strength as well. So he's not, he's not cashing in on the power play uh, by any means, really. I think one of his goals is a power play goal this year and the rest are at even strength. So that's, that's more than an encouraging sign to see that this kid is just really taking that complete next step as a rookie. Yeah, it's very much so. And then I think it, it leads to kind of our next topic and, and Dallas does actually have um, some help on the horizon and it's not, it's not tomorrow certainly, but we may get to see Tyler Sagan at some point in the next, you know, one to two weeks in the lineup. And, you know, my question now, and, and we'll start with you on this one, Mark is, Given the way the team is playing now, given the profile, given how long he's been out, all all of the things, right? Factoring in all of the things, where do you slot Tyler Sagan into this team when he gets back? I mean, I, I think you have to get him his legs back. So, you know, at least for the first game or two, you kind of give him, uh, you know, 12 minutes a night, maybe have him center the fourth line and give him a little skill there and and then have him work his way back and show what he can do. And I think that's a good point. And Rob, we'll, we'll ping pong it over to you on this one. What do you think is fair to expect, right? So when, when Dallas Stars fans salivate over, you know, 91 stepping back over the boards, what do you think is, is realistic in terms of, of the production and, and play they should, they should anticipate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I believe kind of what Mark said, you have to get his legs back. He's got to start moving again, get up to speed. I wouldn't put him at the fourth line center. I think I'd put him in a position to succeed higher in the lineup um, as a wing, just leave the center situation alone. But also, I believe when he gets back, I mean, I just don't know what you can expect from him this late in the season with that type of injury, but I'd expect him to be a factor on the power play. I'd expect him to be uh, bring more team speed to the lineup. And I, you know, I believe he has uh, goals for this team down the stretch that are going to be very important. I think you're right. And and the other the thing that I keep coming back to when I think about his return is, you know, Tyler Sagan really showed us something during the playoffs last year. And that at no point during that run was was Tyler Sagan healthy. Right. There was there you know, the, the, the leg and the hip and, and all the things. And despite that, and despite not being a goal scorer for most of that run, he still found ways to contribute night in and night out. Right. He, no, he wasn't, you know, the, the same explosive top of the lineup scorer that he's historically been, but he was still a player that went out and gave them, whether it was a meaningful faceoff win, he was blocking shot. Like he, he was a complete player. So part of me thinks, you know, obviously you don't, you, you don't throw him immediately into the, the deep water, but at the same time, there's a, a great coaching adage. I, I honestly forget who said it to credit it, but talking about players returning from lineups and, and saying, if you're in the lineup, you're all the way in. And I almost think, you know, Dallas's perspective has to be if when he's back, you can't approach it with a, you know, a, an, in, an innings limit, right. Or a minutes cap. You just sort of have to say, this is the role he's going to play and he better be able to play it. And, and I see kind of a hybrid of, of what you guys are saying and that he'll, you need to integrate him into the top six because that's where his value lies ultimately. But I think you can do that floating him at the wing. I think you can, you know, especially if the rest of the team keeps performing, right. You can find 
you can find other shifts, um, ways to give him kind of time off uh, inside of a game, right? Other people can take some of the the burden and still give him those reps, whether it's on the power play, uh, you know, spell here, spell there. So you know, it's going to be an interesting juggling act, but they're going to have to to find a way to, to get him up to speed quickly. They just frankly don't have the time not to. I think there... It's uh, you know, if you if you want to put him on the left wing uh, and have Dickinson go back to fourth line center, um, you certainly, if you're worried about minutes, can can move Dickinson up for a handful of shifts. And he's shown that he can do that. And in fact, even even now in his current role, he's uh, he's kind of being a Swiss Army knife and playing in a couple different areas. Yeah, that's who he um, is, right? It- and the good thing, I think, from this standpoint is, you know, with the COVID outbreak and then the winter storm that we just keep always having to come back to is they've been very slow with Sagan. Even when they were desperate, they didn't rush him back. He's had the luxury of actually recovering from this injury. So they're being smart with his recovery. And he might be, you know, off this injury, the healthiest player to come back into the lineup. Yeah. It, it, if nothing else, it finally gives the team, you know, what's what's been one of the troubles this season, right? Somebody goes cold and everything falls apart and, and getting another functional player in the top of the lineup, all of a sudden gives them a little bit more insurance on nights where, you know, hints is no longer, you know, when it's one of the days when he doesn't quite answer the bell, um, his day to day catches up with him. All of a sudden you can maybe be a little bit more judicious with his ice time and get him a little bit more rest, keep him in the lineup. Uh, you, you can insulate yourself. If Guryanov goes cold again, you've got a little bit of insurance. If, if, you know, Jason Robertson starts to hit a rookie wall, right? There's a lot of things that all of a sudden you're better prepared to handle in a situation where Tyler Sagan is, is an effective piece of the lineup and, and, Frankly, it's just it's nice to be thinking about good news for once uh, this season as a as a Stars fan. And then on that note, the, you wanted to talk very briefly about uh, you know the other situation. So it's funny I just finished mentioning good news. So last night Miro Haskinen missed um, Miro Haskinen missed the game, which you know we're hoping it's it's nothing serious. Certainly no word of anything serious. But the part that I wanted to talk a little bit about was he missed and Jamie Alexiak scored. Of course, Alexiak was. And then at the same time, Friedman's column mentioned this week rumors that Winnipeg potentially um, took a swing at Jamie Alexiak before the trade deadline. His contract is coming up. What do the Dallas Stars have? Um, we'll start with you, Rob. What do the Dallas Stars have right now in Jamie Alexiak? I really believe they have the perfect partner for Miro Haskin and Jamie Alexiak. The way that he is a huge body just in general. Um, he allows, he takes more of the defensive role. He allows Haskinen to be up in the play, uh, take a risk every now and then. And then I think we underrate the type of speed and skating ability that Jamie Alexiak has. And he showcases it, I believe, at least once a game with those rushes up the ice. And yeah, he you know, scored some buttes this year, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. So I think. You know, I, I think they actually have a legitimate top four defenseman to put up there with Miro Haskinen, and I think that's just a luxury that Dallas has, and other teams have seen that, and they want a piece of that, but, you know, thank, thankfully he's here in Dallas. It's nice that they stuck. So then we asked what they have in him, and Mark, I'm going to throw you a slightly different question. What long-term or even, you know, short or middle-term, what did the Dallas Stars do with Jamie Alexiak? 
Well, or, or you could go back and say, what did what did Pittsburgh do to give him a base that allowed him to come back to Dallas and and continue to expand on it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could very well be that a six seven guy who's been told that he's big takes a lot longer to develop, and and he may just be on the early stages of his development uh, career. You know, take a look at how 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 Chara's uh, you know Chara Chara hit his stride a little bit earlier, but he's continued on and on and on, just just producing at a high level and. And that's kind of the intriguing thing about Alexiak is, are we just seeing the beginning or or where does this go? And from my point of view, looking at it from a business point of view, is, is Alexiak's play here the last half of the year uh, pricing him out of the market? That's that's my <laughs> big concern. I mean, I yeah, I, but I will say one of the the saving graces here we we've talked before jim nill has overall done a magnificent job managing the stars cap and i think i think what this might be doing is in combination you know jake ottinger might be the most important player on the dallas stars roster right now because and i say this as a you know i i i will always say and will always love dobby and the job he's done with dallas but with the cap flat and things tightening up and guys needing to get paid. If Jake Ottinger can be Dallas's number two goaltender behind Ben Bishop, then especially with his better play down the stretch, all of a sudden you have the opportunity to move on from Hudobin and Hudobin's cap hit, which combined with guys like Cogliano and Como, if if all if if you can make a player out of Delandria if you know if you can find pieces if you can find younger pieces kind of rely on the kids in the bottom half of the lineup if you can rely on a kid as your backup goaltender for a little while then all of a sudden it's actually you know we've we've said it all along right Dallas's cap situation is it's not easy but it's also not a it's not catastrophic right i think Alexiak the the decision that he makes which is why i think it's interesting that he scored last night while Haskinen was out, is the decision Dallas is going to have to make is, is he a top four defenseman or is he good enough to be Miro's partner in the top four? And then once Dallas has made that decision, does that does their answer to that question align to Jamie Alexiak and Jamie Alexiak's agent's answer to how do you pay Jamie Alexiak, right? Because that's where it's all going to be. You know, you, you know that <laughs> I, there is no way his agent is going to be coming to the table and saying, well, yeah, it was a good year, but hey, he gets to play with Miro, so let's let's pump the brakes a little bit, right? Um, so Dallas is going to have to decide, can he be a guy that that potentially down the line can carry his own pairing if need be, right? Or is he a talented player that is ultimately replaceable because you can find a lot of talented players that look like a top four D-man next to, you know, all world Miro Haskinen. Yeah. And I think that's something they're going to have to definitely parse out and, you know, discover as we keep going on. But I keep going back to the, you know, the fact that we've got two solid defense pairs that really do play perfectly off of one another and that, most teams are lucky if they even have one. So if we're talking about the future outlook for the stars, trying to run it back uh, with a full season next year, even if they do make the playoffs this year, um, 
can you afford to break up those pairs? And if you can, and if you do, who can you slot up there with with Haskin and and get that kind of chemistry and stability? Yeah, and then and then the question becomes: Okay, if that's it is a completely rational thing to allocate your funding to have an elite defense, right? Like that'll that'll do, right? Nashville was the model of that for many years. They were, you know, they made a Stanley Cup final. They were a very competitive team built on the back of, you know, Suter and Weber and Yossi and Ekholm and you know Hamus and all of the guys. It was always the names at the back, not the names at the front. So if Dallas does elect to go there and says, yeah, you know what, Alexiak is that guy. And they're locked in with Lindell already. Here's hoping they're not dumb enough to let Klingberg walk and Miro, of course. So, okay, this is the top four. That'll that'll do, right? Like that's that's a unit. And so then you get into okay, then you know J. Rob better be for real, and Hence better be for real. And if Guryanov is also for real, then all of a sudden you've got at least three up pieces of the offense. And you know you hope for a couple more productive years out of Tyler Sagan, and you hope that they can find ways to get these little stretches out of Jamie Ben. And really, you're just looking at like, you know, <laughs> easy problem. But you know Dallas is going to have to find a way to to recreate what they're going to lose. You know, Radulov hasn't played this season, right? His contract's going to end. Pavelski's got one more year after this one could you know there are there are pieces that they'll need to replace at the high end and that does get more difficult if they elect to you know go go in on the back line but also not impossible right especially if you know for for a long time we kind of maligned the dallas stars at least i did it's being able to continually draft you know bottom six forwards but looking recently they've they've had some hits with again hints and with Gurionov and with Robertson and if this team has maybe turned a corner being able to produce some some offensive talent then maybe if if you've got a couple of forwards that could score playing down in Cedar Park then there's there's value to locking in four good defensemen in the prime you kind of the meat of their careers and saying you know this is going to be the the pillar of strength for this team and we're going to be able to build an offense around what we have in house yeah and I think uh, maybe this year isn't the year to decide that Next year, the end of next year may be the time to decide that with uh, with the big contracts coming off. So well, I think unfortunately uh, it'll be they interesting have to, to watch. To I'm looking forward on... to seeing that plus Harley coming in. Yeah, I mean that's that's the other the other complicating factor, right? If 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 presumably Jamie Alexiak wants term, then how much are you willing to lock in on this defensive unit? We've we've talked about this before. If you truly believe you have you know, another superstar in Thomas Harley, how does that alter your roster calculus? Like how quickly is he ready to play and who does he potentially make expendable? Because if you're saying that, you know, if, if we're sitting here saying that the top four is Klingberg, Lindell, Haskinen, and, and Alexiak, where, where does Harley play? How quickly, right? How many, so how many years do you give Jamie Alexiak? How many years do you, do you create that blockage? knowing that you may have a guy that you're going to want in those minutes um, here before too long. Yeah, I would echo that. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have if you're Dallas. Yep. It is. It gives them trading flexibility and, and, you know, again, could solve the forward log jam. And it's, it's you know, if, if there's anything that this season has illustrated, it's there is always a need for fresh bodies and, and guys that can step in and contribute. And, and 
we're going to have to see where it goes. Now, I, I want to circle back to we'll, we'll conclude on on this bit. It's funny we started the podcast with a joke about you know the Dallas Stars getting no help on the out of town scoreboard. As we sat down to record tonight, it was four to one Chicago, uh, or sorry, four to one Nashville. Chicago came back, won five to four in overtime, which not ideal, right? Both sides get a point, but realistically at this point, Dallas, in my opinion, it's kind of a two horse race. I, you know, Columbus has bowed out. I think Chicago is, is they've, they've kind of run their race. I don't know that they're going to be a major factor. Watch me jinx it. But, um, you know, Nashville's dropped a point now and, and leaving a door open. So what do you guys see? You know, we'll end this. Like what, what did the Dallas stars need to do to get, to get over the hump and to, and to get themselves into the postseason, we'll start with you, Mark. Hmm. I I think I mean certainly we need to finish strong against Detroit in these two games, and then we're going to be playing some really good hockey clubs. So we have a head to head against Nashville that uh, that we need to I think win, and we need to salvage points against uh, against some of the good teams. And hopefully by the time we get to Chicago at the end, we aren't playing a team that's desperate for a final spot. Hopefully they're out of the way. Yeah, so we'll go through. So Dallas's remaining schedule, right? They've got, um, let's see, scrolling through the list. They've got two more against Detroit. They play Thursday, Saturday. So two more against Detroit. Um, they've got two more against Carolina, three against the Bolts, one against the Panthers, one against Nashville, and two more against Chicago to close out the season. So they've of those games, right, they play really after after Saturday against Detroit they're kind of done with the easy outs and I, you know, you're right. They're, they're going to need to get something out of, out of Tampa Bay um, or Carolina, you know, to, to really get this thing in. And that's, that feels, you know, you you look at, you look at their record in overtime and you look at some of the games earlier this season. And that's a tough, that's a tough road to hoe unfortunately for the Dallas Stars, that's if anything's going to derail because in looking at the, you know, counterbalance predators have Chicago one more time. Let's see two against the Panthers, two against the hurricanes, right? So four team, four games against teams that you'd say are, are good, the home home and home with the stars and then two against the blue jackets. Right. So, so Nashville has what you would say are two gimmies, you know, four tough games, the head to head and then Chicago, which is a bit of a wild card. Yeah, I would, I mean, I would say that, in those games against Detroit and Chicago, you have to bank those, you know, eight out of eight points there. And then, like you just said, pretty much survive those games against Carolina and Tampa. If not win those games, I mean, that's definitely the goal, but at least get to overtime, bank some points, and then yeah. hope that your goaltending and your goal scoring keeps up enough uh, to steal some games out of Carolina, Tampa Bay. Um, I'd like to see them get some revenge on the road in Florida after last time in Florida. So um, I think it's doable. Um, but like you said, they're going to have to, you know, really hunker down and, you know, get ready to go really through the, through the meat grinder. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things, right? It's, it's kind of, this has been a vexing part of the Dallas stars for some time they're, they're, they're going to have to take care of business. Like you look at the Chicago games, Chicago, Detroit, right? Those, those are games that they've got to do. Um, got to get those done. They probably need to win the head to head against Nashville. And and if you, if you think that they can get, you know, if they can take three out of four, even from the remaining, you know, games against Detroit and Chicago, right. They get three, three out of four of those and then win the head to head. It's probably enough 
um, in my opinion, if they if they lose the head to head or if you start dropping points in overtime, the like, then then you're looking at Nashville's schedule and wondering where they're going to stumble. I, I think for me, the one thing though is, you know, at this stage, yeah, the the point accumulation they, they got to win. They they need two pointers each night. You know, I think that there's not enough runway for them to get in on the back of a bunch of OTLs. So you know, last the the shootout win against Detroit was a start. They're just they're gonna have to find ways to close to close games out with. Uh, but thank goodness they've got two goalies they can trust. Um, you hope that they maybe stay a little bit healthy. Um, that that Miro is back and and everybody else stays in the lineup. You hope that they get something out of Tyler Sagan. And it's, it's funny. It's doable. Um, it's sort of this, the entire season in a microcosm. It is very easy to see Dallas completing the run and, and making it happen. And it's also very easy to see them not and, and just no way to tell which way it's going to go. Don't we love the NHL for that? <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, so we'll, I'd only, I'd only add one thing there and that is that, Nashville's been riding Soros really hard, mm-hmm. and if he can take it, more power to him. But he's played a lot of games in a short period of time, and uh, and eventually that goes south. Oh, it would be nice. It would certainly solve a lot of problems for the Dallas Stars if if the I think he's I think he's playing like 950 hockey right now, something like absurd. Yeah. So yeah, they need him to crater bad, but. We'll see. We're going to close. We're going to close on this. Something fun. Bring back an old gimmick. Um, give me one prediction. Uh, give me one prediction for uh, for Thursday night's game against Detroit. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that um, we're going to see a Jamie Ben hat trick. I like it. Bold. <laughs> I mean, he's feeling it. The the interception, the, the goal he batted in was uh was tasty so it's it's always nice when the captain gets into one of those those good runs of form and all of a sudden it just he's one of those guys when he's playing a certain way it looks like he's got a cheat code on like the 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 combination of of his the hands with the body and they don't look like they should match but they do it's it's a thing to behold how about you mark oh i'll 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 go way out there if uh if if Vrana scores, the Stars lose, and if he and if he doesn't score, they win. Oh, Vrana being the linchpin of success. All right, all right. Uh, let's see. Then I'm gonna add. Mine is I think they have a big game, and I think it's a big enough game for Robertson to catch Kaprizov. I think he's Ooh. gonna have. I think he's going to have two or three. And maybe I may hedge a little bit and say by the end of the weekend, uh, by the end of both games against Troy, but I think he catches Kaprizov next time out. That's my, that's my crazy prediction. Well, there we go. <laughs> I like and it. And I think, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm sticking with. Uh, so we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up there. We've got two big games coming up and then a whole bunch of big games after that. But what else is new? I did get a little glimmer of good luck tonight and, and, saw Nashville drop a point and we'll just have to see what tomorrow holds for the Dallas stars. Thank you guys again for your time. And and to those out in radio land, thanks for listening. KT, you are the best. Mm -hmm.